1: New Books in Economics, brought to you by EAEPE, the European Association for Evolutionary Political Economy.
0: Welcome to this new episode of New Books in Economics. I'm your host, Andrea Bernardi from Oxford Brooks University. And today I'm here with another host of the channel, which is Carlo Di Politi from Sapienza University of Rome. And we're here to present a book where Carlo is also one of the co-editors. Another co-editor is um, Jan Kregel. But also we are here with Marcella Corsi, professor of economics here at Sapienza University of Rome the third quarter of a book which uh, I uh, shouldn't define as a book of history of economic thought rather I'm told by the co-editors that le- this should be named, should be called, should be defined, a history of economic ideas. So welcome Carlo and Marcella. Um, let's start with a brief introduction of your background and your current affiliations.
1: So I'm professor of economics at Sapienza University of Rome. I'm a PhD in economics from... Manchester University, UK, and, and I'm actually involved in history of economic ideas since my graduation, and then uh, I've been involved in several studies concerning innovation theory, uh, development, uh, and now gender economics mostly.
2: I'm Carlo Di Politi, uh, I'm also based at the University of Rome, and in fact I'm a former PhD, PhD student of Machella's. And I'm also the editor of the PSL Quarterly Review and an Italian journal called Moneta Credita.
0: Very good. So let's start because this is a very, very complex book. And the title is Classical Economics Today, Essays in Honor of Alessandro Roncaglia. So we need to start probably with um, something about Alessandro Roncaglia because probably not everybody knows among our listeners.
1: Well, Alessandro Roncaglia is probably one of the main uh, historian uh, of economic ideas. As a matter of fact, this is the definition that would give on himself, uh, I, I think, I hope actually. Um, he graduated in Rome uh, at the University La Sapienza, uh, under the supervision of a great Italian economist of the past, but not so far away actually in terms of time, Paolo Silas Labini. And, and since then uh, he studied the classical economists uh, with the idea of discovering uh, the, the contemporary uh, value of the ideas developed by these classical authors through time. Everything started actually with William Petty. He is one of the, the first uh, writers on William Petty's uh, economic arithmetics. Then he moved uh, uh, to several authors that are actually also discussing this problem. <coughs> so Turgot, for example. But mostly Adam Smith and the relationship between Adam Smith and, and the contemporary economics. Uh, this is something that uh, came out uh, from the Silos-Labini tradition. Uh, Paolo Silos-Labini used to call Adam Smith, my friend Adam. <laughs> And he used to teach economics, uh, starting really from Adam Smith, Wealth of Nation." One of the main books by Alessandro Roncaglia is "The Wealth of Ideas." Uh, just to give you a link between uh, the inheritance, the Adam Smith inheritance, and his contribution to to economics.
0: And we have here a picture of Adam Smith. Uh, probably, let's start with the cover of the book uh, because there are three, six seven pictures of very important economies. So perhaps uh, you can tell us uh, uh, who they are and what is the relationship between them and classical economics.
1: Well, let me first uh, say that I'm very fond of this cover because it was done by my daughter. (laughs) So it's somehow a family gift to Alessandra Roncalia. My daughter just graduated in in architecture and she was very proud to to be involved in in the design of this cover. That is basically a a, a summing up of the main uh, uh, classical contribution uh, uh, through time. We start really with Anna Smith and Pergo Then we move uh, to David Ricardo, just in the middle between the two. Um, Then, uh, of course, we we reach half uh, 19th century with Karl Marx and John Stuart Mill. uh, And then we come up uh, uh, with the the 20th century with uh, John Minor Keynes and Piero Sraffa. So in that sense, uh, the choice of the authors uh, are also related to the time uh, passing uh, of the discipline, uh, from political economy to economics. So in that sense, uh, the ideas have changed, uh, the methodologies have changed, and Alessandro Roncaglia has dedicated most of his life, really, to describe these changes.
0: Uh, and you told me earlier that uh, the presence of Keynes here is somehow controversial. But Yes, what, indeed. We can, we can We can say what is the relationship between the classic themes and what came after him. Yes.
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, Keynes uh, uh, became an economist. I, I say became because he was, he was not an economist at first, <laughs> but became an economist under the Marshallian tradition. Uh, he was always based in Cambridge and there, of course, the Marshallian tradition was, uh, uh, was Basically, the rule um, being Marshallian in that sense meant uh, uh, to know very well the classical theories, um, especially the one related to the of, to the division of labor, the impact of the division of labor on economic growth and productivity uh, Marshall dedicated quite a lot of, of, of time and space, also in his principles on, on the debate about divisional labor and the increased returns law and so on. And so in that sense, he was very conscious of the classical tradition, but at the same time, it was already formed with the new methodologies belonging to the economic tradition. And again, I stress the the change between uh, and and the transition from the political economy in the classics and economics in the Marshallian and then Gigantians and so on, tradition, so the new classical or marginalist tradition. So Keynes is controversial in that sense, but is also a a sort of, how could I say, a sort of bridge between uh, the past and the present. in my view, but especially in the view of Alessandro Roncalli and the several contributions that he has written about Keynes, especially about uh, uh, probability in Keynes, for example, um, one of these, one of his uh, uh, articles on Keynes was really about the, the concept of uh, uncertainty and probability in Keynes. Um, uh, so according to Roncalli and according also to us, uh, Keynes in that sense can be considered uh, um, or better, case theory can be considered as a way of looking at the classical tradition under a new or with new glasses or under a new perspective. So that's why we really think it's is well placed in in this book in honor of Alessandro.
2: Well, if, if I may add, you could also uh read the title of our book, Classical Economics Today, uh, implying that we are not just interested in the reconstruction of what. People in the past have said, but also uh, in trying to understand how can we apply some of their teaching, how can we do, how can we try to build a different way of doing economics? Uh, therefore, classical is also a very much of a modern approach in which Keynes, of course, has a very large role to play.
0: For the non-economists that are listening, uh, what they should know about the relationship between classical economics, neoclassical economics. And also the heterodox versus orthodox um, debate.
2: Well, one of uh, Alessandro's um, most important contributions, as Marcella said, is the World of Ideas, in which he tries to reconstruct uh, the history of economic thought. As basically uh, a competition, if you want, between two ways of looking at the market. You could think of the market as a point in time and space where people come, they meet. Uh, those who wish to buy have some money, and we don't know where does this money coming from come from. Or those that wish to sell have product that are ready, you know, produced, ready to be sold. And again, we don't ask where where are this stuff coming from. They meet, exchange, and never see again. And this is uh, what basically is the archetypal idea or vision of what we call neoclassical economics. This is very much uh, a simplistic or well, a simple way of looking at the economy uh, that was developed uh, towards the end of the 19th century. And it's today the dominating way of looking at the economy.
1: The mainstream, but, uh, let's say so. Mainstream yeah. economics. Mainstream so, economics, yeah.
2: yes. But between ups and downs, there has always been also another way of looking at things, that is thinking of the economy as a network of repeating transactions between producers, for example. A lot of, uh, of goods and services that are everyday produced are not meant uh, to be sold to final consumers, but rather to other firms. Therefore, you have a whole network of relations, repetitive relations that accumulate over time and that give you a completely different view of the economy. If if you're looking for an an archetypal vision, you could think, for example, of the relation between uh, towns and countryside in medieval times, or today between the global north and the global south. We are really talking about um, a repetition of production. And while this is the, this is the most distinctly classical uh, way of looking at the economy, what is important here is that if you're considering the marketplace, as I was uh, referring to before, the mainstream way of looking at the economy, what you really care about is that supply for a specific good has to be the same of demand. And it will be the price, the market price to adjust in order to uh, reach this sort of equilibrium. If instead you, you take the other way of looking at things, the classical uh, approach, what you really care about is the sustainability of the system, the capacity of the economy to reproduce over time. In a sense, you know, the decades or now centuries long question of how is it that we can wake up in the morning and, and have everything that we need, even though society is based on the division of labor. So it's two, it's two very different ways of looking at the economy. Uh, Alessandro uh, tried to argue that you could uh, create a whole narrative of how, in the history of thought, these two approaches, uh, you know, can come to dominate one or the other uh, over time. Of course, if we choose these titles for our book, is that because we are not unbiased? We have our, our own preference, hopefully uh, based on solid arguments, though.
1: Of course. Uh, allow me to say something more, uh, especially for the non-economists. Um, you are certainly aware uh, of the relationship among social classes. There has been a large debate on inequality also because of, or in many cases after the, the, the financial crisis, the recent financial crisis. Um, so social classes were really important for classical uh, economists. Uh, when Adam Smith started uh, writing his uh, Wealth of Nation, uh, he had clear in mind, uh, and he was actually seen, because he always used this verb, I see, I observe, I monitor somehow, we would say today, uh, the development of a new society. Uh, And he was curious enough to try to explain uh, the rules in this new society uh, as a philosopher, because he would define himself uh, as a philosopher, not certainly as an economist, (laughs) because economists didn't exist, of course, (laughs) as a a political science or a a, a social science at that time. So uh, in that sense, he was really trying to picture how the society was changing because of the Industrial Revolution. In that sense, it was crucial for the classical economists to link uh, the, the social class structure uh, with uh, the development of the science, but also with the development of the economic ideas. So, for example, the concept of price for the classical economists is strictly linked to the concept of value, and value is based on labor, and labor corresponds somehow with the social class, the class, of course, of the workers, uh, the working class, which is, by the way, uh, in competition. I would say so, inverted commas, with the class of the capitalist, and the two of them are again in competition with the third class. This is the one of the rentiers. So, the, of course, what it was left of the uh, of feudalism with uh, with the, the noble class uh, uh, declining into a new form of. of of, of, of class that was the Lentier's class. So in that sense, uh, even the concept of prizes was coming out of, of the interaction between the three classes. And all the productive uh, system that Carlo was referring to before was strictly connected with the societal structure uh, that the classical were trying to describe. Uh, in that sense, discipline was political. You could avoid to discuss about <coughs> economic ideas without uh, uh, or ignoring uh, uh, the, 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 the struggle even uh, for, uh, for, for, the, for the functional distribution of income, so for the distribution of income on these three classes. The two things were strictly interconnected. And after Marx, they became so interconnected to become dangerous for the bourgeoisie. So, in that sense, uh, especially with Marshall and with Jevons, who introduced uh, the the concept of marginal utility, and then, of course, that was the beginning of marginalism, also in terms of methodology and the link between economics and mathematics, uh, that nowadays is the rule, unfortunately, (laughs) somehow. Uh, So, in that sense, uh, politics was somehow cancelled in order to make economics more acceptable for the new powers. And the new powers, of course, uh, were the ones uh, were uh, finally uh, uh, leading the game or ruling the game. So the capitalist, of course, as nowadays, it still, still is. <laughs>
0: Wow, so, well, so there was a very complex task uh, to deal with in this uh, Absolutely. book, and uh, let's yeah. see how did you achieve it uh, through the structure of the contributions. And uh, so maybe we should say something about the contributors and uh, the the contents now.
1: Indeed, yes. Um, very quickly, um, we have tried to. Well, there are two main aims here. First of all, to put together. Quite a lot of authors who had an important role in Alessandro Soncaglia's life, because in any case, this book is full of love for Alessandro Roncaglia, and gratitude somehow and friendship. Um, So, Jan Kregel, uh, Mario Tomberonachi, Michele Salvati, Salvatore Biasco, uh, but also Gianni Vaggi and Geoffrey Harcourt uh, had a very important role in Alessandro's life through time. Geoffrey uh, Harcourt is certainly one of the most famous post-Kensian economics, uh, as uh, Jan Kregel uh, is. Uh, Jan Kregel worked together with Alessandro in Cambridge when Alessandro studied with his Rafa. And Mario Tomberonaki and Michele Salvati and Salvatore Biasco were very much linked with Alessandro, because Michele Salvati and Salvatore Biasco both were Paolo Labini fellow, somehow the, the one before Alessandro in terms of time, and Mario Tomberona, was actually the co-author of Alessandro in, in, many, in many works, um, um, especially when they were particularly young because they met in Cambridge, they studied together and so on. So the first group of of contributors were really part of Alessandro Roncagna's life. Then of course there are the others uh, somehow the the youngest uh, Carlo and I uh, first of all uh, who work with him uh, uh, Carlo is now editing uh, or editing the, the journals, who were edited by Alessandro for uh, for all his life. Basically, I'm uh, actually chairing uh, um, the same uh, the same. I'm in I mean the chair actually. That was before of Paolo Silosabini the and then of Alessandro and Calia, So in some ways, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm working on their steps. And um, but also the others, for example aldi who has been working on Rafa under the supervision of, of Alessandro and then uh, other young colleagues uh, like um, David Antonioli and Paini uh, so also in this case uh, uh, some of these chapters uh, have been written like a sort of uh, discussion with Alessandro on, on topics that not necessarily uh, see the others uh, converging on similar uh, ideas uh, or similar opinions. Uh, Alessandro is very open to debate. It doesn't. You don't have to be uh, to agree with him in order to to work with him or to discuss with him. He's very happy to uh, to discuss also in uh, in sort of contradictions. So it was a sort of reconstructing a debate the main aim of this book. Then, of course, there are some other contributors like Sergio Parinello, Maria Cristina Marcosa, Annalisa Rosselli, Bertram Scheffel uh, that had a link with Alessandro uh, also from uh, a teaching point of view. Uh, in a sense that for example, Sergio Parinello was the one uh, who organized uh, the summer school in Trieste for a very long time, in that summer school. Uh, Quite a lot of heterodox economy, economists uh, met uh, reg- regularly for many years, and Alessandro was one of them. Um, Maria Cristina Marcuzzo and Annalisa Rosselli had always a very strong link with Alessandro, especially on uh, the reconstruction uh, of the Cambridge tradition. Uh, they are a great experts of John Robinson, uh, Kahn, uh, and all the other members of the Keynes circle, let's say so, in Cambridge. Um, and finally, Alfonso Sánchez Ormigo um, is, uh, is Spanish, of course, uh, as you can imagine from, from his name. And uh, he worked with Alessandro quite a lot on the reconstruction of the classical Spanish thought that was almost forgotten, um, mainly during uh, the, the Franco time, uh, because, of course, uh, there was... a. Uh, a big fight uh, against uh, uh, the uh, so-called Ricardian socialists based in uh, in Spain. So in any case, all of them were really part uh, or somehow uh, pieces of a big puzzle.
0: Well, wow, so we have only seven pictures on the cover, but there are so many other pictures that we can try to visualize in this story. And maybe we can go now to chapter five, which is your chapters, your own chapters on the democracies of ideas, John Stuart Mill, liberalism and the economic debate by Marcella Grossi and Carlo Di Politi.
2: Yes, well, we chose the topic of Joshua Mille for several reasons. <laughs> uh, first of all, we both like Mille a lot, and it's really a pleasure to read, so I definitely um, suggest that everybody should at least read something of Neil. Uh, then it's also one of the uh, points on which we possibly do not fully agree with Alessandro uh because he sometimes hints uh, at this traditional interpretation of Meal as, if you want... Uh, the, the author that started the corruption of the classical school because he tried, uh, to innovate or insert some uh, specific ideas that, that, will later be used, you know, to develop the neoclassical approach that is today mainstream. Uh, but there's also a third reason. That is, uh, uh I think that Neil is very much, well, the, uh, the topic, uh, in, of which we talk in the chapter. By Mill is very much related to the contemporary uh, topic about pluralism in economics <coughs> if, if you want to start from Mill as a liberal, is very famous you know for his uh, political philosophy but something that most people do not realize that history was uh, very much uh, method at the time, and with an historical approach mill uh, considers that in most uh, of the well in the most advanced countries of his time, tyranny has mostly uh, given pace to representative democracy. This should have been in principle uh, a very wonderful achievement, but Mill was not satisfied yet. He saw a new stage of, well, of the risk of tyranny of a society, and that is the tyranny of the majority, of course. Um, he writes, for example, that self-government is not government of each by herself, but, but, but of each by all the rest of society. Basically, according to Neil, already at his time, individuals were lost in the crowds. And we can also, we can only think of what would he say if he could observe today's reality. Uh, Instead, he tries to develop a a rational argument in favor of, of pluralism of experimenting different lifestyles, and most of all, for tolerance. Um, according to Mill, uh, persecution is very effective. Wherever it was tried to persecute the radical views, it almost uh, always worked. Because he writes, for example, that it is a piece of sentimentality, that the truth, merely as truth, had any inherent power denied to her. Therefore, according to Mill, we really had uh, to try hard and make an explicit effort in trying not to persecute different views. Um, This is, as I said, I don't want to tell you about what we write in the chapter, because the PS will be... (laughs) uh,
1: You have to read it.
2: (laughs) No, but it's uh, what I think could be uh, interesting for for our listeners is that, in our view, uh, Neil's arguments in defense of intellectual pluralism are very much relevant today because within economics, at least, there is really a war going on in several countries. In which this this could be paradoxical if you want, but in which it is the state, the the power of governments that is being used in order to suppress pluralism and to promote a single view as the official and right way of doing economics. I'm referring, of course, to the various attempts uh, as measuring the so-called quality of research that I perfectly agree in several disciplines make a lot of sense. I'm not Saying that you can never evaluate research uh, at all, but it just happens that in economics, given the um, disequilibrium, you know, the different power relations within the discipline, this is being used in several European, but also non-European countries uh, to really get rid of all the heterodox people and all those that, that hold views that do not fully correspond to the mainstream. This is, you know, if you want, even uh, impoverishing the economic debate itself is also a pity for mainstream people who should be instead more interested in in knowing more and and defending their own approach if they really think it is the right one. The idea that, let me use this, uh, you know, not properly precise term, but the idea that free market economists try to use government power, you know, to win the battle of ideas is really scary.
0: Uh, this book is somehow what I should suggest uh, to friends of mine who not only are not economists but they might have uh, a very wrong idea of what economics is, so this book is uh, exactly on what you, they wouldn't expect in a textbook uh, in, a, in a book of economics. Uh, so this is another reason to buy it. Although uh, we had uh, um, a podcast interview with you, Carlo, on, with the authors of um, a new handbook, and this was a handbook of microeconomics, and the title was Microeconomics of Complex Economies. So earlier you mentioned that uh, somehow uh, the marginal revolution, and then we shift to mathematics as a very important component of economics. So, if uh, this is the case, uh, what is the relationship between classics, neoclassics, uh, and c- the, the current notion of uh, um, orthodoxy in economics? Uh, what, okay, let's map this for, for the economists Well, uh,
2: this is uh, a very difficult question, and I can give you my opinion, possibly even Marcella will have some different views, I don't know. Well, I would say that, uh, well, first of all, it is, uh, I think, uh, the fact that not all heterodox people uh, agree with the classical view, and, and and this is just one of the several schools that, you know, uh, disagree with the mainstream. Um, there are some scholars, even, you know, very uh, prominent ones, for example, Lawson, that argue that the main difference between mainstream and heterodox economists should be sought in the use of mathematics. Uh, I personally disagree with this. Uh, because, for example, if you uh, if you look through our our own book today, there is quite a lot of mathematics, especially when it comes to neoclassical economics, uh, which is uh, you know the modern contemporary approach to the classical theory of prices that requires a good deal of mathematics. I did some of it at the time of my PhD, but I still you know uh, remember it with some suffering because there is heavy stuff going on there. So I don't think. Uh, the mathematics is necessarily the dividing line, but of course, it of course it's about how do you use it. Um, in my well, a few minutes ago, I was just mentioning that in, in my view, uh, the vision, the archetypal way of, of how you think the economy works should be possibly the dividing line. Uh, if you have you know the marketplace view in which consumers and and Terms or producers meet, or instead if you have this web of transactions view, um, some people could have other different uh, views. In fact, what, sh- what could be recognised is that heterodox economics at the moment is more um, of a sociological category. I mean, a group of people that meet at conferences, that share <laughs> some interests, that uh, are dissatisfied with the current state of the economic debate because it's too narrow, uh, but they do not necessarily agree on each and every point of theory. But that is part of, of the beauty of it, I think. I mean, uh, pluralism should be about debating. Uh, it's it's called research because we don't yet know all the answers, otherwise it, it wouldn't. Um, the point is, uh, how do you define you know, ways for... Let me come back to Neil to define a moral way of debating, respecting the other people's view, uh, arguing for your own, because pluralism is not the same as saying anything goes, but surely not trying to suppress minority views.
1: Yes, diversity Mm -hmm. then. I mean, uh, it it should be recognised that, um, (coughs) or things, I mean, in my view, um, it, it should be stressed that To be a paradox means, firstly, to believe in history, or better, to believe that all economic uh, models are historically determined. Uh, And therefore, when you study, develop, or teach uh, models, uh, economic models, you always have to warn uh, either your co-authors or your your students uh, that what you are teaching them uh, must always be compared with the reality, and you have to avoid... The risk uh, or minimize, let say so, the risk uh, that the reality is confused with what the models is actually depicting is exactly the opposite. The model should try to describe a reality that is, by definition, much more complex uh, than, than the one that the model is able to, to describe or, of course, uh, um, uh, to, to, to explain somehow. So in that sense uh, the the link between history and economics uh, is definitely something that brings into being uh, a more complex uh, uh, methodology more complex set of ideas Uh, a pluralist point of view is crucial Uh, but as I said before it's really crucial the concept of diversity Uh, and diversity in this sense uh, uh, can be uh, spelled out in in, in many different directions so it's diversity in terms of different methodologies so in these books for example we have uh, uh, some contributions referring to the Sraphian method. That is not just uh, the theory of prices, uh, but is something related, for example, with uh, uh, with the static versus dynamic way of describing uh, uh, the reality. Uh, concerns uh, um, the concept of, of, of democracy in many different ways. So there is a sort of methodological approach um, that is not just the one of Rafa, but of many classical authors described. Uh, that is reinforced in this idea of diversity, and it's also helping uh, heterodox economists in dealing with diversity. This, by the way, it's not an easy task, we are all aware of it.
0: Well, uh, let's say, uh, what is your next project and what is uh, possibly the future of uh, classical economics? So what, what should, you, <laughs> should we expect for the future?
1: Well, this is our challenge every day. <laughs> this is what we try to do, uh, since the beginning. I mean, uh, this is, this was certainly the challenge of, of Paolo Silos Labini, who, by the way, wrote in one of his last books, uh, Was really uh, saying something similar to what we are trying to say in uh, now today. Actually, the title in Italian was "Torniamo ai classici," and by the way, the choice of classical economics today was also somehow a way of quoting uh, or re-establishing a link uh, with that contribution that was. Just written in Italian, I'm afraid, so it was not available for for English readers. Um, Then uh, it was a challenge uh, and somehow for Alessandro Roncaglia and this exploration of the classical authors in terms of ideas. For uh, For us, the challenges are even more complex because we live in a 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 in an educational system that is more and more as uh, Carlo was already saying uh, um focused on uh, on, uh, on measuring uh, uh, the quality of uh, our teaching of our writings so um so it, it somehow standardising our ideas. So the challenge of diversity that I mentioned before is the challenge that we try to to fight for every day. So the continuation of this work uh, is working uh, on heterodox methodologies uh, and and classical ideas in that sense. Well, um,
2: I must say the the current system in Italy but in several countries (laughs) really does not provide a lot of incentives to economists to write books. Hmm. Uh, yet it's extremely fun, so I'm sure we will try
1: <laughs> we <like laughs> to, <it. laughs>
2: to do it even more <laughs> in the future. Uh, currently with Marcella we are working on um, the impact of the European crisis, which uh, unfortunately in some European countries is not over yet, hmm. uh, especially we look at it in terms of household incomes, trying to look at the intersection of gender and class.
1: Yeah. We did it on poverty in a a paper uh, published by Feminist Economics, and now we are doing on on gender and class with several uh, contributions that we published in in, in journals, but we hope to have a book eventually coming out uh, on such a topic.
0: Good luck with this. By the way, the last question would be this one, if you allow me. With Wolfram Elsner, we said that uh, complexity economics is already making an impact because, for example, central banks are already adopting something new. Uh, do you think that you are able to make an impact, uh, if not with the central banks, but at least with the with students? So in, uh, in training a new generation of economists with, with another sensitivity on, on, on the matter?
2: Well, uh, first, it's true that I think central banks today are possibly much more open to new ideas than governments, for example. Possibly because, for example, in the European context, uh, you know, a a much higher weight of of responsibility to to answer to the crisis was placed on central banks than on governments. I don't know that could be a reason. But, for example, they are taking uh, post-Canadian views into account. Possibly they do not... Uh, recognize it as such, but if you think, for example, of the works of Hyman Minsky, uh, it's, it's basically quite uh, agreed today that uh, financial turbulence can cause economic crisis or at least uh, recessions. And therefore, for example, we are already taking some hints uh, into consideration. Sure, we do not expect to be (laughs) called as the next governance, but it doesn't mean that our work doesn't have an impact.
1: No, absolutely. And in any case, uh, one of the main messages of of this book and of all our works, actually, in the the latest years, uh, is about plurality in methods, including history of economic thought. And we really think that... Plurality must be a deliberate choice for every kind of economic agent, individual or collective. Actually, in the preface to this book, we quoted uh, a sentence by Salvatore Biasco, so chapter one, that if you allow me, I would just like to read because it's it's really a a great synthesis uh, of what we have tried to do uh, in this contribution. He wrote, uh, at the base of a non-mainstream way of looking at the economy, from a descriptive and normative perspective, cannot be but social complexity, uncertainty, and innovative dynamics. Through these lenses, the aggregate behavior of the economy is studied as determined by constantly evolving endogenous events, which are fed by a number of driving forces, unstable and potential explosive relationships, non-deterministic developments, A financial system, so mentioning the the central bank, closely interconnected to the real economy, but also able to acquire an autonomous dimension. And the social dynamic, So, which brings back, of course, social classes, that changes in parallel to the whole process and that at the same time affects it. So I think this is in synthesis what we are trying to, to build on.
0: Uh, thank you very much for your time, but also thank you very much for your work and for your, your contribution that you are truly making. So, this is a book that I suggest everybody to buy as soon as possible, and it was published in 2018 by Anthem Press. So, this is Classical Economics Today, Essays in Honor of Alessandro Uncalia, edited by Marcella Corsi, Jan Kregel and Carlo Lippoliti. Thank you very much. Thank
1: you. Thank you.